0: are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy.
1: Hello fellow humans, Uh, this is Grant and another bad opening. I'm sorry, I figure by episode 50 we'll get it right. Uh, (laughs) I'm joined today by a a writer that uh, has a book from Scout and that is The Greylock. We have Eli Shockey with us today. How are you, my man?
0: I'm doing really good. How are you doing today?
1: <laughs> we had you on and and um, I'm excited to talk to another writer. I've been talking to a lot of artists recently, and I want to know, like, what kind of stuff were you into as a kid?
0: Huh. What was I into as a kid? Um, static shock, I think, was, like, the biggest thing besides Ninja Turtles. I mean, Ninja oh, yeah. Turtles, static shock, those were, like, the two big touchstones, That i had as a kid um i think mainly because like my last name's shocky so like (laughs) i I was like oh i was like this i can latch on to because you know it kind of sounds like that um i think i just liked seeing somebody that was like you know just looked a little bit like me and i was like oh hey you know he's doing you know kind of the spider-man stuff and I don't know. It was just a good show in general because, you know, Dwayne McDuffie was a genius. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, seeing all the milestone people in various roles on that show, like, it makes sense as an adult to see that and be like, that's why it was so good. Yeah. Yeah, he
0: was just, yeah. Sometimes, you know, like, that's the thing. I wasn't super aware of Dwayne McDuffie when I was a kid, but, you know, like, as I got older, you know, you're like, oh, this person kind of just influenced my entire childhood. Right,
1: like you seeing know? his name on the the animated Justice League, you're like right. doing the Leonardo DiCaprio meme, pointing at the screen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know him. Yeah, it's
1: nuts. And were you into the arts as a kid too?
0: Um, a little bit. I had uh, a nonverbal learning disability, so like my fine motor skills were like a little jacked up. Um, it w- it wasn't like. Super horrible, but like my reading comprehension and stuff like that was like a lot higher than like my writing skills like the penmanship and stuff like that. So like, you know, I had all these high concepts in my head as a kid, but like the translating them down to the page was something that, you know, I had to work hard at. And so I think that's kind of what got me into writing later on was I had so much like extra time and stuff like that as a kid like focused on like just translating your thoughts to this page. How are we gonna do that? You know, kinda just they were kinda just giving me writer training classes for free. All through like <laughs> early development, you know. I was just like, okay, well, you know, I know how to do this now. It seemed kind of a waste to just not pursue that. You know, but like, I don't know, I was making my little like handcrafted comic books on like printer paper and like staple them together as the a kid. Yep. Yeah.
1: Were you more uh, inclined just to, to do like artwork then instead of writing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would just, I would just do like, you know, just make the little panels and like, you know, draw my guys doing whatever they were doing. And then just whenever, you know, my mom asked or my little sister asked, I would just explain it to them because, you know, I couldn't fit like all the words and stuff like that. Right. was Yeah.
1: And whereabouts did you grow up? All over,
0: over, really. (laughs) Yeah, um, before I turned 18, I had moved at least 23 times, I think. Holy smokes. Yeah, we were, were, you know, freaking nomads, (laughs) pretty much. Um, I, you know, was born in like, you know, pretty much on the Kentucky-Ohio border, (laughs) you know, Cincinnati, there's just a river in between Kentucky and Ohio, so I was born like, the hospital pretty much right on the river oh that's and, wild yeah and so um lived there for a couple of years moved to new jersey we moved to utah um rambled around you know the country for a little bit and we um ended up in new york oh um, which is where i've lived now for the past like decade or so so which is you know we settled down somewhere you know for our high school since, you know, that can be a tough time for kids, you know, if you moved around so much, high school is kind of where you want to give them, you know, a little bit of time to, like, be stable, and so that's what my mom did for us, and, uh, yeah, I just liked New York a lot and uh, ended up staying here.
1: Is that, then, the place that you kind of uh, most identify with?
0: I guess, yeah, no, I guess so. Yeah, I've lived the most time here, so,
1: Yeah. (laughs) And what's something about New York that you wish you can convey like a specific love of to people that are not familiar with living in New York?
0: Um, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a positive, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna be positive, but there's you know so like the vast amount of New York is just farmland you know like yeah. there's a there's a lot of farms in New York, but one thing that I wish I could convey to a lot of new yorkers is that they are not from the deep south <laughs> you know i see a lot of like i don't know i see a lot of like confederate flags and i see yeah. like, you know like these colors don't run and stuff like that i was like sir you are in new york <laughs> like i don't know how to explain this to you but like i know that that you know that since it's in the same country you feel like it's kind of osmosis you can kind of adapt it but like Having lived in the South, you know, like there's, you know, there's a difference.
1: It's absolutely asinine. And that it's like yeah. a virus in the Midwest, too. Like in northern Michigan, I remember people with the same stuff. It's oh like, sir, God. what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> What's
0: going on here? <laughs> they just they just want to claim it. Their their ideology already matches up with it. So they're like, I might as well just be part of this. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's so annoying.
0: <laughs> I feel like there should just be interviews with everybody that is just along the north, the northern part of the country, because I feel like that's an epidemic going on right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Slowly spreading bacterial oh, yeah. infection. <laughs> but on to more pleasant things. Uh, when did you start realizing that writing was a thing that you were passionate about?
0: Um. So... I definitely dropped off for a a long time. Um, I, you know, I dabbled a little bit of like, you know, do I want to write a little book or something like that? Me reading Aragon in like middle school, high school made me think, oh, is this possible? Like, can I do this? Because this is another teenager. Mm
1: -hmm. You know,
0: this is like a peer that, you know, like I'm seeing he's doing this and he's doing this really well. Um, and so like I thought about it and then, you know, you have that like Navel gazing like you feel super self-conscious when you start writing things and you feel like everything you're writing is stupid Mm -hmm. And I never got past that when I was in like high school and middle school. So I dropped off until about my first year of college where I can't remember what I was reading, but it was one of oh I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble, but Okay, let me let me phrase this first off by I love the Dark Knight returns. Mm-hmm. But Dark Knight Strikes Again is one of the worst things I've ever read.
1: It's tough to get through. It's
0: tough it's really tough and Frank Miller obviously like he can't damage his rep because he's one of the best writers, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like seeing that I was like, okay, I could
1: do, if he can do this, I can do this.
0: <laughs> Which is horrible to say about Frank Miller cuz like the dude obviously is like
1: Oh, right, but it, it, there's such a strange dichotomy between, like, the Dark Knight Returns, right. and its almost like tenuous grip of, uh, like big tough guy masculinity, mm-hmm. and then in Dark Knight Strikes Again, it's just like we're going head first into this. Yeah, movie. and he
0: just yeah he took he took the wrong lessons from that book mm-hmm. and just do- dove into everything. But I was yeah. I love, you know, like I loved the first one and then the second one came around and I was like, did somebody else write this? No, it was just like and it was just really rough and I just didn't like it at all. And then I just started thinking about like my own stories. What would I do? And so I just started sitting down. I had my little laptop and I was just starting to type out stuff. Um I did the rookie mistake of like, oh, I'm gonna create my own superhero universe and started like well, that's the thing. I st- And that was like during like my writing stages, exploring writing and stuff like that. And I wrote like all these short stories and everything mm-hmm. like this. And I think that's what helped me grow the most as a writer um, is because I didn't really pursue those into making it an actual comic. Okay. You know, I was just like writing more for myself at that point. Through, throughout college, I was just writing for myself pretty much nonstop, like entertaining myself with these stories and kind of seeing where I could go with this. Um, And I think that's probably like the best advice I could give anybody because like, that's what I did that worked for me. Um, It's not going to work for everybody, but like I just wrote for myself. I wrote stories that entertained me Mm -hmm. and I found out like what my interests were, you know, like what kind of genres I prefer, like here's things and stories that annoy me. Here's (laughs) things and stories that I really enjoy that I think I could do really well. It's, I think that was like really just a lot of soul searching writing wise that I was able to do during that time, which, you know, I was really thankful for because now, you know, I've got the book coming out through scout, you know, before that I was, you know, over at mad cave for a little second and, you know, doing a little bit of writing there and just, you know, learning from everybody, you know, over at those two companies has just been really beneficial.
1: Did you ever think that you'd be in this position? oh hell no (laughs) hell no no i didn't i uh
0: at the yeah once so i started you know making that like a little bit of a like pitch pages for like this own personal project a little bit back and you know wasn't that wasn't good whatsoever it wasn't good um and i was like oh crap it was like i realized you know like halfway into the pitch pages you know i was like this isn't a good project this isn't going to get off the ground i don't believe in this mm-hmm. and so i had to you know like tell you know like the artist collaborator i was like i don't want to waste your time and i don't you know it was like we need to keep in touch but like you know like obviously you know I paid him for like all the pages he did, but I was like, I don't think that we can go for it because I don't think this is going to be picked up. And it's, if you don't believe in it, you know, then you're not going to want to write it.
1: Yeah. that's so really nice.
0: that, yeah, that was a real, like, be honest with yourself point that I think that if I didn't take that, I wouldn't be where I was now, mm-hmm. you know, but that was a little bit of a low point creatively where I was like, oh shit, you know, I ran out of ideas. What do I have now? <laughs> but, uh, and then you know uh worked at mad cave and then while working at mad cave i got the idea for the gray and i was working with uh Adagun ilhan at the time um okay. pretty much one of the best fucking people on the planet <laughs> uh seriously like you know he he lives in the same area that i do we live a half an hour away from each other Oh, so right like, on yeah so like we were able to like talk we talk a bunch and just I told him about this story idea that I had and you know, we worked on it for like a year and then pitched it to Scout and Scout was like, Yes, yes, please.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, how did that feel?
0: That's all amazing because I mean we had our um, dream schools that we applied to. You know, you do yeah. you do the you do the image, you know, but you know, this being our first creator owned stuff we weren't expecting to get into image, you know, that was like a reach, you know, we knew that that's probably not going to happen. Image has, you know, usually now, I guess with image, it was like, you got to have, you know, a lot of books under your belt. Mm -hmm. Um, But Scout was one that we really were interested in, because, you know, it's kind of, I've heard it before, but it's pretty much true. It's kind of like the Ted Lasso of the (laughs) the companies you know
1: that's a really really apt comparison because you know they
0: you know they they're like coach you know they're like a good coach you know like they take this person who obviously they have talent and they have this idea and they have this good book that they want you to you know make and they want to like build you up in this way to tell the best story you can and yeah you know i've noticed you know significant changes You know, with how I originally pitched the Greylock and, you know, how issue one, you know, issue one looked at the beginning to now how it looks. And it's just, you know, night and day. And that's pretty much all because of, like, the editorial team that I've been working with, you know.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, they definitely
1: helped a lot. That's really cool. Yeah. So, like, what do you want to do now? Like you've got your foot in the door, you've you've shown that you can do this.
0: Hmm. Uh, I have I have a grounded answer and then I got a batshit crazy answer. Um, grounded <laughs> an- grounded answer is I want people to buy the graylock when it comes out either at the end of this year, beginning of next year. That's around the timeline of what we're looking at. You know, and I just want to keep on doing graylock because you know, this is a universe that me and Adagoon have been like pouring over you know this is like super cool fantasy um not really western influenced you know more like indigenous african um mesoamerican just really all over the place influenced yeah you know while having orcs and dwarves and you know elves and stuff like that in the picture you know pretty much uh, legend of korra meets <laughs> lord of the rings and then you put him the wire together Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's that's really what you know like i kind of pitched it to adagun as is like we take the power we take pretty much the powers of legend of korra you know the kind of fighting styles and stuff like that how they use magic in there we take the species that are like in lord of the rings and you know classic fantasy and then we put them in a situation like the wire where it's like seedy criminal underworld like we treat it real, you know, people are like killing each other, all this stuff. You know, we treat, we treat it like realistically, like how criminal, you know, like how criminals act and stuff like that and how gangs run. And we just want to go kind of wild with it. Right. So I love that world a lot. Um, the batshit crazy answer is, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, if I could do anything right now, I would make Jason Todd Batman. You know what? <laughs> that, I think that's a good idea. That is my that is my campaign that I've been on for like a good month. As I had this idea and I was like, yeah, he probably should be at this point. You know, I was like, who needs it more? Who needs it most? You know?
1: And plus, if you think about it, Dick Grayson's had a turn as Batman. Right. Like, we've seen the vision of Damien in the future. We've seen Tim Drake in the future as Batman. Like, right. we've even seen Terry McGinnis as Batman. But I don't think we've ever seen Jason Todd as Batman.
0: Battle for the Cow. He had it once, and he was like crazy with the guns and stuff like that. They went hardcore. I didn't like that face
1: costume and stuff too.
0: I think if Bruce gave him the mantle and it was like, hey, you know, I've, you know, I don't need it as much as you need it right now. Mm -hmm. You know, Bruce needed it as like a channel for his vengeance. You know, for like his mission, and Jason needs it right now as like you know this is who he can become. He can become a better man stuff like that. You know, if Bruce really wanted to like do that for Jason, that's what he would do, I think.
1: Yeah, i totally agree.
2: Yeah. Hello there, my name is Don Cardenas and I'm here to invite you to check out my podcast, the 2021 Grante award-winning Comics Coffee Medal, where I interview creatives in, around, and about the worlds of, you guessed it, Comics Coffee and Metal. I've already had such amazing guests on my show, including, but not limited to, Liana Kangas, Mike Norton, John O'Diener, Michael Conrad, Sophie Campbell, Guitar Max Carlisle, Andrew Baina, and of course, the Word Bros themselves, Bob and Kevin. Comics Coffee Metal is available on all the major podcast services, and you can find it directly at comicscoffeemetal.com. I hope to see you there, and now I return you to Into the Comics Cave, with the amazing, awesome, talented, um... Tall, handsome, Uh, definitely over six feet tall, smells good like lavender and motorcycle grease. Is that right? Motorcycle grease? All right. Grant Stoy. There, I
1: said it. Get my money now? No, Eli, I have a (laughs) scenario for you. Okay. Let's scenario away. You are at Dave and Buster's. Mm Mm-hmm. And for some strange reason, you're like, I'm going to play this claw machine. So you're playing the claw machine. Mm -hmm. And the thing picks out this, like, plastic egg. And it drops it out. And you open it up. And a genie comes out. He says, hey, thank you for freeing me, number one. Number two, uh, I have a deal for you. So, you are suddenly, like, the best comic artist alive. And you can keep this talent, but every three days you lay an egg the size of an ostrich egg, and you don't know what's going to come out of it. Would you take this deal? Fuck yeah! (laughs) Yeah, it's not
0: even even like a question. Yes, that's a big egg, dude. (laughs) You just—I don't know. Yeah, you put on—you put on some music. You power through. Get the poopery and like one of the squatty potty and you're good to go <laughs> you know i don't know i mean it's a small price to pay for that amount of talent
1: even if the egg contains like a t-rex or something that, or that's, a poisonous snake
0: that's a tiny t-rex you know <laughs> i'm a i'm a full-grown man that's a tiny t-rex i'll keep it as a pet that's you know too what? much power. That's too much power to give me. If you're giving me the power to lay an infinite army of T Rexes, you've just you've made the mistake of just giving me an infinite army of just man killing monsters. Oh, now,
1: well, we, don't, well, we don't. Now know. I'm and the general of this army. Out. We don't know what's hatching from the egg. That's even better. What if it's just an egg full of turds? Then you know
0: that's that's just it. My body's doing its job. Is just. <laughs> in a weird way.
1: <laughs> now, if you were the, the greatest comic book artist in the world, would you draw your own material, or would you just be like, hi, bidder? let's go?
0: Um, I think I would just do... I think I would work on my own stuff sometimes, but I would want to work on, like, different things. Um, for the Greylock, I think I would just still... Stay, stick with that and <laughs> in all honesty. Because, like, you know, we're partners, you know, we're co-creators. So, like, that is our world still. So, I'm not going to take that away from, from either of us, um, that kind of partnership that we have. But, like, if on the side I can just, you know, draw a Batman book or something like that or go on to Spidey and just do some side work and get the money to make the books, hell yeah.
1: And anyone that should talk to you online... You find them and you just drop an egg off at their door. Exactly. <laughs> I just can't get over the fact that you would willingly pass an ostrich-egg-sized egg. I mean. And after a while, your body just adapts to that anyway. Right, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: no biggie. <laughs> no, Eli, we are at the point uh, in the program where we are going to do five questions based off of James Lipton's Inside the Actor's Studio. Um, There's five questions we ask every guest. Are you ready? Highbrow. Throw it at me. (laughs) Number one. What is your favorite sequential art sound effect?
0: Uh, Okay. Um, I like BAMF a lot. Nightcrawler. Yeah, I I always liked that because it's it's badass motherfucker, but it's also, you know (laughs) So when I was a kid like because I saw you know, because I saw Pulp Fiction like way too young Mm -hmm. And I was just like oh That's the same thing that's on his wallet So he's just saying badass motherfucker anytime he teleports away that like in my head, that was like my head cannon for it. I was like,
1: he's just screaming, "Pat, that's motherfucker!" Anytime he like teleports away and goes somewhere else. That is such. That was such like a wonderful little in joke for comic book fans, <laughs> like learning with Batman and then seeing Nightcrawler just you know announce when he leaves and when he returns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you use that in any other?
2: Uh,
0: I don't think so. I feel like that it's kind of like SWIP, mm-hmm. you know, where it's I, so feel, I feel like it's, if there's not a copyright on it, I feel like there's definitely just like an, an intellectual, like that's where your mind is going to go. It might take readers out of it. I don't know. So, yeah.
1: All right. Well, number two, uh, what is your favorite thing about sequential art in general?
0: it's easier to tell a story like for me, that's something that I was always able to like get my head around when I was a kid. Um, just, this is the sequential art um, of it. I think it's, it's really like, you know, when you think about writing novels and long, like longer prose, mm-hmm. I don't think that's something I would adapt to easily. And I think I just found like my niche, what I'm really good at, like, writing for sequential art, I think, you know, like, I'm really grateful for that. I think above anything else, I'm just really grateful that I found this thing that like I'm really good at brings me a lot of joy. And then, you know, the Christmas morning opening a present when collaborators give you, you know, send you the page, oh right? Gosh, yeah. It's just like, yes, it's amazing. Um, last, I was going to say about a month or two ago, um, I was planning, you know because i'm i'm the kind of guy that you know like if i got a character in my mind i'm gonna go to one of my buddies i'm gonna say hey i'll pay you a commission to do this let's do a concept for it um a sasquatch with a harpoon hand um we have this idea i have for like a character in volume two of the Greylock if we get to it oh killer i just want you know it's harpoon hand shoots the harpoon out he's a sasquatch and seeing the art of that back, I was just like, "Yo, this is amazing!" <laughs>
1: <laughs> right on. On uh, on the flip side, what is something about sequential art that you dislike? Patience it
0: requires a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, I think that it's it's difficult. It's very difficult to break into it. Um, you know, but that's probably for most entertainment. Um, kind of creative ventures and able to get to a place where you have any sort of validation or recognition or being able to get published. Um, it takes a while to get in, um, bit of a paywall, you know, especially, you know, like you can do tiny, you know, like short stories and stuff like that, short comics to say, Hey, you know, I've done this. Um, you can always do Kickstarter. Um, but I do think that, Um, Some people don't, you know, some people that are just starting out don't realize, you know, that it's going to take, you know, this money to tell the kind of story that you want to tell, you know, at the point when you want to tell it. Uh, That's something that I dislike, but it does take a long amount of time and, you know, that's no fault to anyone. That's just the thing, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't want to (laughs) burn anybody out and you want to treat them kindly like other people, it's going to take a long amount of time. And so that's definitely a price I'm willing to pay for.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, number four, what is your favorite swear word that's not actually a swear word? Okay. Um,
0: So you you picked the wrong guy to ask this to because, like, the Greylock is not censored. <laughs> so like I have gotten way too used to like just full on swearing. Oh right um, on yeah yeah yeah. In the book, um, oh yeah. One thing we do, uh, "Sorcerer's Stones." That's one of the swears we've been using, and I do love that. You know,
1: like as a as a surprise kind of euphemism.
0: Yeah, oh, "Sorcerer's Stones." You know, like talking <laughs> about, and you know, you obviously get like what it's referring to. Mm-hmm. And, like, also, like, the vernacular of, like, what body part we're talking about. And just, <laughs> it's not a swear word, but, like, you know, somebody just, like, really yelps that out. And you're kind of just like, oh, huh, It's funny. <laughs> I don't know, that's that's just one thing that I've liked a lot that, I don't know, we've done that's not actually a swear word.
1: Well, I like this question because a lot of people that I enjoy, you know, swear. Uh, but it's fun to watch them try and remember, like, before they were confident enough to use those words, like, what were they saying with your kids? Like, oh, dang, <laughs> like, oh, frick.
0: I, I never, I never had that problem. <laughs> Dude, I came out with, like, a mouth of a sailor. I was just, I, yeah, uh, I can't remember a time where I didn't use, like, swear words, you know? And that and it wasn't like directing it at, at people whatsoever. I right. was just like like just a little potty mouthed kid. And my <laughs> mom would be my mom would be like, Yo, it's like I got three other kids. You're not doing anything horrible. So like
1: <laughs> All you're doing is saying some bad stuff. That's fine. Yeah.
0: And she knew I mean she knew it at a certain point that she was like, he's not gonna stop. This is just part of his language now. It's like <laughs> Just let it go. Let it go. It's okay. And here I am. I graduated college. I've got a stable job. I'm in a house. I've made it. I'm a good little boy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Eli, I I got some bad news for you. Oh, shit. So one day you were going to uh, the local KB Toys, uh, non-existent toy franchise KB Toys. Uh, and while walking past there, you see them put a sign that says, brand new Ninja Turtle toys. And you're looking at the sign, and you hear a thundering in the distance. And you turn around, it's an army of little kids and fanboys. And they trod over you to get these toys. And you're dead with Donatello's name on your lips, and I'm sorry. However, you go to what we perceive to be heaven. And just as you're about to enter the pearly gates, you look over, and there's a tiny man sitting at a drafting table. He's smoking like a chimney. His brow is perpetually furrowed. He's sitting in a wife beater, just a plain old number two pencil. He's doing the most amazing shit you've ever seen. It's Jack Kirby, aka Jacob Kurtzberg. What do you hope he says to you?
0: I don't know. I don't know. He kind of stumped me with that one. The whole death scenario really threw me through a little. <laughs> bit. Um, I would hope he'd say something funny like uh, you couldn't stand in line to get an Orion toy or some you know, like <laughs> something like that. Star- I don't know, something like there's no new gods <laughs> toys. Right, exactly. Like, like who the who the fuck cares about Eastman? <laughs> I don't know something something you know funny like that i would imagine jack kirby to say i could
1: see him
0: he he seemed like a very punchy person so Mm -hmm.
1: no i like that that's good well dude thank you so much for joining me where can folks find you on the socials
0: um on the socials uh just twitter static shocky um very on brand Um, yeah, you can follow me there, get more news about the Greylock when it's going to come out, all that stuff. Um, probably have some news about that later in the year. So, you know, cross fingers, knock on wood.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We get Um, it out as soon as we can. Do you have like a a coffee or anything like that where folks can give you some money? Nah. I yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I never did any of that, so
0: (laughs) just follow me and barrage me with hate mail, hate comments, whatever you want to do. Your anger feeds me.
1: (laughs) Ask you about eggs. Exactly. (laughs) Dude, thank you so much. This was fun.
0: Of course. It was great. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Anywhere Podcast Stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit ComicBookYeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit GrantStoy.com or on Twitter at GrantAndStuff.